Come on. Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, the strong and powerful Barry Flagg. Barry, are you ready to do this? I'm ready. Excellent. Let's do this. Barry is a CFP, a CLU, a CHFC, a GFS. He is the founder of Verilytic, the only patented publisher of life insurance pricing and performance research and product suitability ratings. He also happens to be the youngest CFP in the history of the College of Financial Planning. So, Barry, I'm excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about Happy your personal yeah. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why it is you do what you do. So, uh, my my personal and professional life are uh, have been kind of intertwined since probably the age of about seven years old. Uh, I was born into a financial planning family. Uh, my dad was putting the word financial and planning together in the late 60s and early 70s, and he, he surely wasn't the only guy doing it, but there were far fewer of them back then than there are today. Uh, and, um, you know, that, that had a big, that had a lot to do with why I'm the youngest CFP. Uh, I, I did take the tests, and so I, I take credit for the work, but just being exposed uh, to the financial planning business at such an early age and, and such a early stage of the industry uh, was formative. Uh, my dad was a, an actuary, an uh, engineer and an actuary, so I, I definitely got the analytical side. I, I, I went to my first job was going to work uh, in his firm. Uh, he wouldn't let me work for him, so I went to work for uh, the uh, pension investment advisory partner, uh, and my job was to run uh, Morningstar reports. Well, actually, way back then in the 80s, they, we weren't running reports. We were looking things up in books, but, <laughs> but in any event, uh, I, I would use Morningstar to prepare a report for the partners to go back to clients and prospects with that um, was analytical in nature. And, and uh, uh, I then, when I, be, when I became my own man and graduated from school, uh, I uh, went to go work for a life insurance agency, trying to broaden my experience and, and uh, expand my resume. Uh, and, and that experience in the life insurance business could not have been more different from, from the analytical kind of fiduciary principles, analytical world that I started in, uh, in the life insurance business where the, 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 the decision support for which product is better was comparing one hypothetical piece of paper that's not going to come true to another hypothetical piece <laughs> of paper that's not going to come true just didn't seem to make any sense to me. Uh, I half-jokingly say, uh, for those who have seen a picture of me or know me, that I pulled my hair out trying to do what was easy as a 19-year-old kid with Morningstar and literally impossible in the insurance business. Uh, all of that... Uh, was uh, motivation for me to eventually uh, invent uh, and patent and and uh, and found this company that is Verilytic that, as you said, publishes pricing and performance research for life insurance products uh, and ratings, competitiveness ratings for life insurance products, uh, very analogous to what Morningstar does uh, for mutual funds. Um, and it was born out of a practice that, that I now serve uh, as an advisor as a sub-advisor to thousands of life insurance trusts back into, my, my career has kind of come for full circle, back in 
to the uh, fiduciary environment. Fantastic. Fascinating. Why are there not other organizations such as yours? Um, well, you might say, why aren't there other organizations other than Morningstar? Um, no, that's, that's certainly the, fair. The, uh, although, you know, back in the 1980s, there were others. Um, so I guess one of the reasons why uh, is because uh, there's still a tug of war uh, between the fiduciary world uh, and the, uh, in fact, I call it operating system, the fiduciary operating system or the prudent investor operating system uh, versus the life insurance industry operating system. There's something of a tug of war going on there. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, and then another reason is the, the United States government was kind enough to issue me a number of patents, uh, which uh, give us a government-granted monopoly for, for uh, some 20 years uh, on the uh, means and methods by which we collect, compile, publish, and, 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 and uh, uh, produce uh, the, the analysis that we do. It's not to say that it's the only way to do it, but it's, it's the only way that, that, uh, uh, that's been come up with so far. We, we certainly have... Uh, uh, there are certainly other providers in the marketplace that are marketing, you know, policy review or policy audit services. Right. Um, but but they're too often, uh, and these are not. This is not my characterization. Uh, this is this is this is the, the 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 characterization from guidance from different industry authorities. The the policy reviews that are simply comparing one of those hypothetical things that don't come true to another hypothetical thing that, that doesn't come true. Uh, have now been deemed misleading, fundamentally inappropriate, and unreliable by financial insurance and banking industry authorities. It's the way the insurance industry has kind of evolved, and and so they maybe have a maybe have a hard time getting out of that that rut. Uh, but uh, that's my best answer to why we're the only ones doing it so far. Yeah, fair enough. I, I appreciate that, and thank you. So, so we're talking about. A permanent life insurance product is that right? Not necessarily term Correct. insurance. Okay. Correct. And for those who are not necessarily insurance experts out there, there are all different shapes and sizes of these permanent insurance products, and they all operate a little bit differently. And even companies probably present information differently to consumers. So it is totally next to impossible for a consumer to look at two different things that are different to try to make a, a determination as to whether or not one is good or bad and almost impossible without the help of, of um, an organization like yours to really get to down to what the real costs are. Is that accurate? Correct. 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 There's a, one of our sayings, and this doesn't apply only to the life insurance industry, but it certainly does apply to uh, the the practice of coming up with different names for the same things uh, that you alluded to. Uh, there's there's profit in confusion. You know, if if, if people don't understand what they're buying, uh, then uh, there then there is there's 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 profit. There's margin in that uh, versus those who. Uh, uh, all life insurance policies have this, the same fundamental elements. They all cost for the to charge for, for the cost of the insurance. They all charge expenses, and any permanent life insurance policy that has cash value, they all uh, invest those cash values in something, 
like a mutual fund or like a bank CD. They all invested in something, and so they all got a rate of return. So every policy has a cost of insurance charge. Every policy has an expense, and every policy has some earning, interest or earnings. And if you focus on just those three things, then it kind of does away with all the confusing uh, insurance speak and, and jargon that that that, uh, that that can make it make it difficult to to make a prudent decision or an informed decision. So what kind of variance are we looking for in, in terms of costs? You know, uh, so Verilytic was born out of my, my, invi- my, advi- my insurance advisory business years ago. Uh, and I remember sitting across from a car dealer, very successful guy, you know, multi-multi-million dollar net worth. Uh, he had this insurance um, it, it was placed by the same agent that, that did the property and liability insurance. Uh, and so he had a good relationship with him, and, he, and, and the guy seemed to do a good job on the property and liability side. And so he's like, you know, how, how, bad can, how good or bad can life insurance be? And so I, I, we actually got the costs, uh, like we always do. We got the costs from the insurance companies. Uh, before that, he had only seen these hypothetical projections. We got the actual costs. And he said, there's no way they're charging me that much. And his name was David. And I said, David, you're one of the more high net worth individuals on this planet. You have an attorney, a CPA, and a trust officer. You pay them a lot of money. They're sophisticated. They're educated. Uh, if there's anybody on the planet who should know what they're being charged, it's you and your advisors, right? And he said, I guess. He said, did you know? I said, did you know? And he says, I had no idea. I said, well, if the most sophisticated buyers and advisors on the planet don't know what they're being charged, and you're an insurance company, how much are you going to charge? You know what he said? Hmm. As much as I can. Okay, fair enough. Right? So it's all about transparency and disclosure. And if you don't know what you're being charged, then you could be charged as much as 80% more, almost twice what... You're the guy you play golf with is charged, or the guy who you go fishing with is charged, uh, or, or, or the gal who you go to the gym with is charged. And that's just based on two different companies can charge, or will the same company charge different amounts? Uh, yes and yes. Uh, life and permanent life insurance products are kind of like closed-end mutual funds. Uh, they The same company will issue... Uh, often issue new products every 18, 24 months. Uh, they design a product, they share the risk with the reinsurer, the reinsurer agrees to share only so much risk, and when, when, when they've written that amount of insurance, that product is closed and they got to do another one. And so uh, the very same insurance company can design another product 18 months, two years later, that is totally different in price from the one 18 months or two years prior. Huh. Okay. And I'm just thinking out loud here, if they're experiencing more losses than they expected or poor or smaller investment returns on their maybe general portfolio, there's potential for them to charge more and that's legal? Yep. Okay. Is it the is it the Department of Insurance at the state level that have to approve this or can they just charge whatever they want? No, the State Department of Insurance, uh, State Departments of Insurance, do have oversight, and so they do have to justify. But, but as you said, and 
and when you said is it legal, uh, let me let me go back to that. You know, if if I was a mutual fund company, and um, uh, my trading costs were higher than I expected, uh, or uh, in a financial crisis, I needed to do some extraordinary research or whatever. If my costs go up, then I can increase the fund management fee that I charge the fund, and nobody nobody says any different about it. And, and so it's really no different in the life insurance world. The less costs are guaranteed, like, like in term insurance you referenced before, c- certain forms of guaranteed universal life. But unless they're guaranteed, if the insurance company is experiencing higher costs, higher mortality or lower investment, then they are, it's not just legal, they are contractually obligated or contractually enabled to uh, increase what, what, they're, what they're being charged. Um, the, I think the, the reason why it seems so um, antithetical or, or, you know, uh, hard to believe uh, and why people say, is that really legal? is because nobody knows what the cost is. It's, it's kind of like, you know, I paid this premium, I'm putting blind trust in this institution, I really don't understand what I have. Uh, and so with understanding, know, taking a little bit more responsibility, knowing what's being charged inside the policy, uh, knowing uh, what is reasonable to expect from the, from the performance of invested assets and underlying cash values, really is no different than any other asset, uh, and it puts the consumer in a much better position to make more prudent decisions, maybe maybe find some cost savings, uh, and, and certainly get better performance. Got it. Okay. Is it possible... I don't know how best to ask this. Um, are there certain types of permanent life insurance which are better or, or, or worse in terms of, of cost, or is it very? So in the same way that a equity mutual fund uh, will cost the, the, the fund management fees on an equity mutual fund, uh, or, or even more so, an, an international equity mutual fund would be higher than on a bond fund, for instance. Uh, there are uh, generically higher costs on certain type of products. Uh, there are um, uh, typically higher costs in variable life insurance products, so products that allow you to allocate your own cash values among a family of mutual funds. Uh, that genre of product will generally have higher costs than a, a universal life product, uh, which is required by regulation to invest in high-grade bonds and government-backed mortgages, much, much like a CD. Um, that said, with as much as an 80% swing between good and bad pricing, you could actually have a variable product that, generally speaking, should have higher costs than a universal life product. But if you get a, a what I call best available rates and terms, if you get a best available rates and terms variable product, it could actually have lower costs than a worst available rates in terms universal life product. Hmm. Did that make sense? Yeah, certainly. Roughly speaking, how many life how many insurance companies market permanent life insurance? Oh, so it's it's well into the hundreds, okay. uh, probably thousand. Wow. But as a practical matter, there's about a hundred of them. 
that write like 95% of the, of the, of the, of the, uh, the, the, the comprise 95% of the market. Uh, and some are better in some markets than others. Uh, so, um, it's, you know, it's more than one, two or three, uh, uh like in, in many States auto insurance, you know, there's three companies, you get a quote from all three and, and the premiums are guaranteed for six months or a year. And you can, then you pick the one, right. Uh, but with life insurance, it's more like a an asset than it is uh, a car insurance policy. It's got an insurance element, but it's it, buying it or making decisions about it is more like buying or making decisions about uh, what what mutual fund do I want to invest in or what bond fund do I want to invest in kind of thing. Got it. Uh, in terms of there's a, a rating system, which I, I don't need to – I'm not telling you this, just just for our listeners. There's a, a rating system called the Comdex, which, mm-hmm. from my understanding, rates the financial strength and claims payability of life insurance companies. Is that would a life insurance company with a really really positive Comdex score offer more competitive fees, or is there no correlation there? Um, I don't know that I'd say there's no correlation. Uh, but there's no uh, uh, b- broad correlation. Um, okay. The um, so convex uh, in the same way that a that a a bond will be rated by Moody's or S and P uh, for the claims paying ability of the of the issuer. Uh, so that's one consideration. Uh, uh, the other consideration is what's the interest rate that, that, we're, that, that, that the issuer is going to pay the investor. Uh, so life insurance is kind of the inverse of that. You have, instead of the issuer paying an interest rate, the issuer is collecting a premium. Uh, and so the convex uh, has more to do with the financial strength and claims paying ability ratings of the insurer. Uh, what the and, and we already discussed how there is such a wide swing between good and bad pricing, right. uh, and and it, and it's it's not carry it's not just carry dependent it's product dependent. So yes, you could say that higher rated companies would uh, would have a, a, re, a rationale for charging more for the stability in the in, in the same way that. Inversely, a, a bond issuer could pay lower interest, <laughs> uh, but um, because there's this wide swing between good and bad pricing, uh, I don't know that I'd call that a, 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 co- a correlation or a corollary. Got it. Well, fair enough. All right. So, people who are listening, um, let's talk about both the actual consumers of the product and then an advisor or an agent who might be marketing the product as as the consumer is thinking about making a life insurance purchase now with this new information, how, how would you counsel them? What, what should they do? The big broad miss in buying life insurance, uh, is the reliance on these hypothetical illustrations, over-reliance on these hypothetical illustrations and the, the, the failure to actually get the cost disclosures. Um, so if you're buying insurance, uh, every insurance company includes cost disclosures. Uh, if you're not seeing them, then ask for them. If you ask for them and you still don't get them, then you know you need to decide who you're working with. Uh, 
the, the whole life product, for those, that's all universal life. And universal, all universal life is something like uh, two-thirds to three-quarters of the marketplace, although whole life product sales are on the rise the last couple of years. So that, that stat may be a little bit off. Uh, but for, for, for roughly two-thirds, three-quarters of the market, you ask for these things that are called detailed expense pages. It shows the year-by-year costs of what the insurance company says they're going to charge you. And, yes, they can go back to the Department of Insurance, as we talked about earlier, and ask for an increase. Some of them, a few of them, not that many, a few of them actually go back to the State Department of Insurance and tell them that they want to decrease costs because their experience is, is better than what they expected. Um, but either way, you don't know if you're going to get a cost increase or a cost decrease unless you know what you were supposed to be charged in the first place. So if, if you're contemplating the purchase of insurance, uh, I would urge anybody listening to uh, go deeper than the hypothetical projections to get the actual cost disclosures um, uh, for whatever product is under is either being proposed uh, or is under consideration. Got it. And for an advisor who's listening, who's interested in figuring this out on behalf of their clients? Same, and then plus, uh, same as get the cost disclosures. Insurance companies are, you know, they're not required uh, to include those pages. Uh, they're, they're in all the illustration systems, but they're, they're, they're just too often uh, not, not included in the, in the illustrations. So, one, get the detailed expense pages. Two, in the same way, as I was a 19-year-old kid in a pension and investment advisory department using Morningstar to find which funds may have excessive charging, which which funds may be priced competitively, which funds have good performance, which funds have bad performance, and then giving that information to the partners who would then go back to the client with this information and help them make better decisions about their, their the investments in their qualified plan, it's the same business model. Uh, giant RIAs, giant investment firms, independent investment firms, have been built on this notion of helping clients make more prudent decisions. I think this same business opportunity exists uh, for financial advisors in the insurance space uh, as we sit right now. Uh, too many people don't know what they're actually being charged even if you get the detailed expense pages, how do you know whether that's a good price or a bad price? It's a starting place, but how do you know whether that's a good price or a bad price? So um, our, I encourage all our subscribers to get a very, you know, talk to their clients about costs, talk to prospects about, about costs. Uh, they don't know what they're being charged inside the policy. There's an 80% swing between good and bad pricing. Uh, 40% of all policies, uh, by my experience in, with, it, with these trust companies, who are supposed to be more financially astute, uh, I mean, they're, they're financial institutions, so you would think that they would have, have a little bit better track record. But even there, 40% of all policies have excessive charging. So hmm. if you talk to clients about costs and use Verilytic or, or whatever else to help clients understand whether they're getting a good price or a bad price, Avoid the misleading, fundamentally inappropriate and unreliable illustrations that that the that are too often used, and and the, and, the, and that you could dif- use Verilytic to differentiate against misleading information and use actual cost information. Uh, I think advisors can, can can really redo what the uh, what be, what the what are now the big RIAs of today did to become big RIAs today, but now in the life insurance space. 
I like it. Well, Barry Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip, even though I know we've already given them a lot. What do you have for them? Uh, the great unknown in the life insurance business is is costs. Uh, these illustrations are uh, misleading, fundamentally inappropriate, and unreliable, according to three different industry organizations, industry authorities. Uh, they don't look at costs. If you can look at costs, uh, if you're if you're a consumer and you're looking at costs, you have you, you you have the chance of making a better decision. If you're an advisor and you're helping clients navigate good prices from bad, then I think you've got a business. Excellent. Well, that is great stuff, sir. I think that definitely gets a come on. Come on. So, Barry, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? www.verilytic.com uh, is our website. Uh, I would encourage anybody, any financial advisor, uh, to register for the no-risk trial. Uh, if you try it and you don't like it, send it all back, uh, and it's on our nickel. Uh, and then um, I also uh, publish uh, everything that I write and all, the, all my speaking engagements to LinkedIn, uh, which can help you learn more about how to use this prudent decision-making framework that, that uh, works for every other asset, how to use it to better serve clients and grow your business uh, in, in the area of life insurance. Excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Barry your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Find him on LinkedIn. Check out Verilytics. And if you are an advisor or insurance professional, take advantage of that no-risk trial. Thank you again, Barry. My pleasure. Enjoyed it. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we're all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing. Leave us a review. And definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on.